Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. We're continuing our conversation about sermons and sermon series and a preaching ministry in an age of COVID and beyond, and our special guest today is Jeff Meyer. Jeff is a pastor, the lead pastor at the church in Madison, Wisconsin. He's also a consultant and an author. He's written a book called Fear Not, Dream Big, and Execute. Jeff, welcome to the Next Step Podcast today. Brother, it is so good to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, tell me where in the world you are. Where in the world I am. Yeah. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm out I'm looking outside my office window in my home today, a beautiful day. And uh, I'm just really happy to be able to talk to you today. Thanks. How's, how's the craziness affecting Madison, Wisconsin? Oh, man. Uh, the, uh, it, we're having a big spike. Uh, our ICU beds are all full, oh, yeah. and our governor is uh, strongly encouraging us with the strongest words possible without making it a legal decree that we should <laughs> stay at home. Um, we are in week 36 of doing virtual worship. We have not mm. come back together yet, and uh, we've done a few communion services in person, but other than that, uh, we are still doing full virtual worship. So. That's where we're at in Madison. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy all over. Thanks thanks for sharing that. Hey, today I want to talk about the third part of this blog series that, that we've been talking about. The first one talked uh, about preaching and especially sermons uh, and thinking of your sermons as a weekly meal plan instead of just a Sunday buffet, like getting it out throughout the week in multiple media channels. And then the second blog in the series talked about how you imagine sermon series, especially in an age of virtual worship, but also, you know, our, our Sunday morning worship attendance has been declining for decades. So so if you think of the sermon series more as putting together a set of tinker toys rather than a Jenga tower, maybe that's a way to think of your sermon series. And then this third one I really want to focus on with you today has to do with thinking about your preaching ministry as a compass rather than a canoe. And, and before we jump in and talk about that third one, I just wanted to ask, I know you've looked at this stuff. Is there anything in this series that really caught your attention or was helpful for you in your preaching ministry? The uh, metaphor of a compass or a canoe is uh, hugely informative. It takes me back to an experience I had in a prior congregation where we took a youth trip uh, with, I think there were like 35 youth into the boundary waters of Canada, mm. uh, northern Minnesota, southern Canada, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. thinking about keeping the canoes in alignment and keeping track of them. It was <laughs> being steered by a bunch of teenagers. Um, <laughs> it was crazy. It was so difficult. And so this metaphor that you're using is really, really helpful. It's way harder to align a bunch of random canoes uh, that are trying to read maps uh, in a territory that is unfamiliar, way harder to do that than it is to lead by a compass. Mm -hmm. And so it just took me right back to those boundary waters, and I was panicking because we'd lost a few <laughs> canoes along the way, and I'm thinking of these parents back home at that yeah. point in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, and getting back home and saying, oh, we're sorry, we uh, we lost your children somewhere <laughs> right, in Canada. Right. <laughs> Coming back with the same number of youth as you left with was always like the first goal on any of those trips. 
So, well, well thanks I, for that. I yeah, think, that- I think the bottom line for me is if we don't know where we're headed, um, you know, we're just all paddling in our own canoes. Another yeah. uh, metaphor that's worked for me is uh, we're siloing, mm. uh, and we tend to silo our our educational classes and silo our group work, uh, group community gathering. We silo our sermons. We silo the music. Uh, we silo our board meetings and our, and we're all doing different things at the same time. And it's not helping us move forward in really um, multiplying Jesus followers. Yeah, that's hard because everybody can be working really hard all at the same time. And, and everybody knows that they're working hard, but you don't seem to be making much headway. Uh, l- let me just read a summary. Let me read just a couple of paragraphs from that blog to, to that point to kind of get us on the right path here. So we talked about uh, what it means to be in a single person canoe with one person paddling. And, and then if you're just one person, the harder you paddle, the more you'll move forward. And then here's what the blog says. Put six people in a six-person canoe and hand each of them a paddle, and the one thing they cannot do is paddle hard in any direction they want. The more people paddle in different directions, the less forward momentum the canoe will achieve. I think that's the status of a lot of congregations. Everyone paddling, but going nowhere. I'm not pointing any fingers. We know who we are. (laughs) Without further reflection, we evaluate church health based on engagement and activity So we hand everyone a paddle and tell them to get going. Since the congregation doesn't seem to be making much headway, we double down on activity, telling those who are already rowing to row harder and make sure every family member has a paddle. But as long as we're all rowing in our own individual directions, we end up with a lot of wet and tired canoers, but not a lot of movement. It turns out just two people rowing in the same direction will get a lot farther than six people paddling in six directions. So I know I've experienced some of that in my ministry life, and without pointing any fingers, and again, not naming any names, does does that at all sound familiar to your experience of parish ministry? Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. And the thing is, we a lot of times we don't know what the other paddler is actually doing. Yeah. So yeah, how how can we possibly be rowing in the same direction? We don't even know. You know, it's like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It reminds me of being in the canoe with my wife on that trip. And at one point, I, I just, like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're paddling the opposite direction. We're not making progress. <laughs> uh, so marriage counseling is necessary in that, yes, in that, yeah, that, that too, scenario. Yeah. Well, well, to your point of silos, too, you get these ministry areas or even different kinds of ministry activity. So the children's ministry might be its own uh, ministry area, and it's in a silo. But like you said, we tend to put up silos. Things like a preaching ministry is in one silo, while board meetings or elders meetings are in a whole different silo. And so what you do in the pulpit may or may not connect to what the children's ministry is up to or what the board is doing, even if you're at that board meeting. So it's kind of like being in different canoes and everybody can be working really hard. This is the thing that gets me is mm-hmm. you can be working the hard, absolutely as hard as you can and you're not getting anywhere as a congregation and you can't figure out why. Well, it's because you're all paddling different directions. Yeah, it, it lacks efficiency and we're not judging people's effort. Um, but, I mean, we can all be working really hard and making no progress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely right. 
at the end of the blog, there's a couple of examples that I just made up. I made up Saint Example Lutheran Church and the the typical family. And and if you can you can play that out too. I mean, Jeff, you've you've you know families like this. You know churches like this. You've pastored and lived in churches like this too, where where everything that family touches during the week and and think of the course of four or five or six weeks. They're getting different pieces of information, different pieces of guidance, different pieces of content from children's ministry, from from the sermons that they saw, and then there's the ones that they didn't see during the sermon series. You know, there's a Wednesday night Bible study that that's that's a, a whole other topic, doing something else. And uh, you know, in in my example, Mister Typical's been in a Saturday morning men's Bible study that's been in Romans for the last five years. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those, but uh, and and so every point of contact they have with the congregation is a different piece of information headed in a different direction. And especially then, if they miss one or two here or there, uh, they're they're getting all kinds of different uh, they're getting different messages everywhere they touch the congregation. The alternative is to align those at a pretty high level and try to get everybody in all those silos and all those canoes, whatever they happen to be doing this quarter, kind of point them in the same direction. And I'm wondering if in your experience, how how that has looked when you get ministries and individuals aligned, what does that look like for you? Well, when it's, when it's aligned, when it's moving in the same direction, it is, uh, it is freeing. It is less weighty. Hmm. There is a sense of community that is increased because we see that what we're doing isn't just involving what I do, but it's what we are doing together, what hmm. we are accomplishing together. Um, it's not. It's not dissimilar to. Um, some churches, when they do a capital gifts campaign, for example, they, oh, yeah. they, they sit together and they plan out the entire, at least the four pub, the four public weeks of, you know, the, the campaign, but even up until that point, they are there, the church is all in alignment. So mm-hmm. why do we do that? Why do we do that when we're trying to raise money? Yeah. And then not do that when we're trying to raise disciples. Yeah. It just, it makes no sense. I also see this in churches that will do, for example, they'll, they'll adopt something uh, like Rick Warren's, you know, 40 day of purpose. Yeah, purpose-driven life, 40 days of purpose. Yeah, let's do 40 days. Every congregation I've been at, every congregation I've been at, it's like, oh, the best time ever was when we did that 40 days, and then the sermons and the small groups and everything kind of aligned, golden age of church. You're like, really? And then then we stop when we're done with the 40 days. Yeah. And I guess for me, why would we stop? What, What is inherently golden about that 40 days is what can be lived out and replicated all the time. I don't yeah, know why well, I, we've, I, I don't know why we've settled for busyness and hard and mm. being overwhelmed. Why do we settle for that? Is it is that uniquely American maybe? I don't know. Hmm. Um, That's a good question, and and that that might be one to double click on for for just a second. Because when I make these suggestions of alignment, it's not like people don't know that, but putting into practice is really hard. So let's just wonder for a minute. Think about forty days of purpose that came in a package and was kind of a turnkey package. Once you bought that, you got all the stuff that came with it, 
and it had publicity materials and it had sermon notes and it had the stuff to do with the kids. And so it had already made a bunch of decisions. And so you knew where you were going. And even if you, you know, I mean, there's no sermon I've ever preached from somebody else that was the same sermon that they preached, but you know, it gave you an idea and a direction. Um, it was high level. So everybody could get in board with that theme no matter what level or area of ministry they were in. You could open a board meeting by reading something from the book because you had the book. Uh, you know, if, if you took, I was always as a parish pastor in the habit of taking Sunday morning's worship folder with me on like hospital visits or shut-in visits. And if you're doing it in worship, then that becomes a natural way for the person at home to then be connected to that as well. So I wonder if one of the challenges is simply having that clear vision of, in one of these blogs, I've suggested that you have kind of a quarterly, maybe theme even, no matter what sermon series you're doing, everything's pointing at joyfulness or, hey, uh, stewardship. That's another good example. When, when you're doing a stewardship campaign, even with your kindergartners, you can talk about something related to stewardship so it gives you a clear direction. So, so have there been times in your ministry when you've seen that clarity of direction when it didn't come from a kit or a campaign? And, and what did that look like? How did you get to that decision about what was the main theme for the next time period? Well, the first thing we have to do, Justin, and you know this well, um, the first thing we need to do is we need to talk about what is a win? Mm. What is success? What is the measure of effectiveness? Mm -hmm. And for too long, we have settled for input measures, that is attendance, mm -hmm. budgets, um, you know, and cash. And we have, we have looked at those as the, as the ultimate of what we're trying to measure. We haven't right. done the hard work of asking the question, what is actually, what is a win for us? What does, what mm. does a, a successful output look like? And yeah. that takes hard work. So we have to start there. If, if you're just measuring attendance, then it makes sense, right? That we're just gonna we're gonna try to reproduce as many activities as we can to boost attendance. Mm. But if you're measuring a disciple, if you're measuring spiritual growth, if you're measuring um, what your church is designed to reproduce in a disciple, then then you start thinking about every input that we use, which is worship, Bible class, Sunday school, VBS, staff meetings, one-on-one um, -on -one staff engagement. You're going to be measuring what you do in those things according to what the end result is, what we're trying to reproduce in a disciple. And it changes everything. Now we're not just measuring activity trying to keep people busy to show that we're good church people, but you're looking purposefully at everything you do saying, is it actually producing the kind of disciple that Jesus wants us to reproduce? So you got to start there. Yeah, that's Once really you, good. The, the, the measure, what, what you're measuring becomes really important. And, and if I kind of translated that into the metaphor, if all we're measuring is activity, then the more people paddling, the harder yeah. Then, then the better. Everybody's yep. getting exhausted. We're not going anywhere, but our only measure is activity. Therefore, we must be doing really well. 
Or right. if we're if there's we're, a lot of water, got, there's a lot, there's of, a, lot of water <laughs> splashing and there's, yeah, yes. there's paddles flailing yes. and people are bumping into yes. each other. And yeah, so we've got activity. So we're doing really well. Yeah. And, and if something, if, if the activity begins to wane, then the answer is, is doesn't need clarity. You, you need to just get more paddles in the water. So you're increasing activity. But if the reality is, if everybody's paddling in a direction, you're not moving forward, then you will never be able to produce movement in a direction over time just by increasing the activity. You're going to have to have some kind of idea of where you're going. And other people are going to have to, too. Otherwise, you'll just go in circles. Hmm. Or that's, that's a really good a couple- thought. You'll lose a couple of canoes along the way with teenagers <laughs> and have to tell the parents they didn't, get, didn't yeah. make it home. <laughs> they didn't make it home. Sorry. They're in Canada somewhere with the northern pike. That's it. Yeah. Shoot. Oh, that's that's good. Hey, um, in I, I know there's a lot more we could talk about there, but I know in your book, Fear Not, Dream Big, and Execute, you talk about some of these ideas of, of moving forward with your own dream, either as an individual or as a congregation. And, and one of the sections, Lesson 25 in that first section about sparking the dream, is called, Without Relentless Singularity, Mission Creep is Inevitable. And I just thought that might fit our topic today a, a little bit as well. Could you define relentless singularity and could you also define mission creep for me? So relentless singularity is just, just what we've been talking about, is what is the, the ultimate goal or objective and specifically for our conversations purposes here um what is the objective of gathering as a church Mm. is it to gather is it to count that we've got people here is it to balance a budget is it to take care of a building is it to have good music is it um to have healthy stewardship or is it something else? And I think it's something else. I think Jesus invited us to follow him and told us that as we follow him, he will make us what we are not on our own, and that is fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the unpacking that is the ultimate goal of the gathering and the church experience is to make disciples. Mm-hmm. It's to reproduce Jesus followers. And so everything we do at the church, everything, not just some things, not just the discipleship class on Sunday morning, not just the confirmation class on Wednesday nights, but everything we do from choosing hymns to altar guild to uh, working on the church budget to developing sermon themes should be aligned toward that end of making disciples. And then Mm -hmm. we can get more specific. Well, what kind of disciple, what does a disciple look like? How do disciple behave? And that's the hard work that we need to do to define the end, the outcome. Otherwise we'll be forever measuring inputs. Mm. And again, we'll be back to that canoe um, metaphor, just busy. And yet we won't have any more disciples at the end of the day or uh, more faithful disciples at the end of the day because we don't even we haven't done the hard work of telling each other what that looks like. Yeah. So I, we talk about life marks, you know, at, at our church. What are the marks of a disciple 
that we are perfectly designed as a unique individual church to reproduce in our setting. And we have four major life marks. Um, They are um, sustained by the word, dependent on Christ, visible reflection of Jesus, and the missional heartbeat of God. And that's language that's important to us. And I would certainly unpack that for anybody who's willing to listen. Um, But we have identified what we're trying to reproduce. And so now everything we do should be in alignment with that. Do we do that perfectly? No, there are some canoes flailing about occasionally. Hmm. But we're way more aligned today than we were 10 years ago. So that's, that's relentless singularity. Define the outcome that you're designed to reproduce in Jesus followers, and then be relentless. And that means get rid of, get rid of everything that is getting in the way of that or not in alignment with it, or tweak it so that it is in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's relentless singularity. Mission creep is, um, I talk about it, uh, I talk about this in the book on page 131, learn to recognize mission creep. Um, it's not, I'm reading this from the book, it's not if, it's when. You cannot avoid mission creep. It is inevitable. What you can do, however, is identify patterns in your own life and leadership that indicate mission creep so that you can react vigilantly and nip it in the bud. Once you can identify the patterns, then you can recognize, recognize it when it's happening. This simple yet difficult first step will give you the best shot at making the necessary adjustments to stay the course. So mission creep is, I would call it distractions. Hmm. Things that distract you from the mission. And in the church, it's making disciples. And, and those distractions can often be good things, just good things that are pointed in a different direction. So it's not wrong to paddle in that direction. It's just not the direction we're going right now. And therefore, any energy you spend paddling in that direction is not going to help us achieve the goal we are kind of committing to together. That becomes excess movement and, and actually gets in the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, would you just Jim continue Collins, on? Go ahead. Yeah, Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great, he says, good is the enemy of great. Yeah. And a lot of times we settle for uh, good in the church. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, You've got a section called Zero In on the Bullseye on page 132. Would you you mind reading that section for us too? I think it pertains to what we're talking about. Yeah, it says, uh, be certain what you're aiming for. Clarify it. Name it. Measure it. Develop environments and systems that produce it. For example, how could you reshape your devotional time at the beginning of board meetings to help people follow Jesus? Have them read the scripture for themselves and share one or two takeaways from the passage with the rest of the group. You're already good at creating environments. You've figured out how to fill the seats, balance the budget, get more people to sign up, publicize the program. Now it is time to help Jesus followers follow Jesus and help their friends do the same. Hmm. I like that idea of creating environments where this stuff can happen and and shaping even the devotional time at the beginning of a board meeting, whatever board it is, uh, in alignment with where you're trying to go in, in this season. 
So I guess as I think about sermons and preaching ministry, the the thing I'd like to add to the conversation we've been having is if so you've got four four marks that you clearly know and would you would you say them again just briefly? They went by kind of quickly. I want to make sure people hear them. What are your four marks there at the church? Sustained by the word. Dependent on Christ. Visible reflection of Jesus the missional heartbeat of God. Our mission is to connect people to life in Jesus, and those four marks define what is life in Jesus for us. Yeah, and, and so that's that's where you're headed. That's what you align your budget towards. That's what you align your ministries towards. When you pick a sermon series or a, a theme for a year or a, a Lenten season or whatever, those things are, are on your mind. Um, I think if, if you try to do those, those four for you will always be a part of what you're trying to accomplish. And if you try to do all of them at once, I mean, there's a sense in which you can do all of them at once, but you also have to have the specific idea of, of the small next step we're trying to take together kind of next in mind as well, at, at least for me. So I'd like your feedback on, on this idea that that as you are go through a season of, and, and by season it could be you know, 40 days. Hey, Rick Warren chose 40 days, and it's kind of not a bad season. It could be a little bit longer. It could be a little bit shorter. But over the next season in our congregation, we're all going to be working on, is it dependence on Christ? Is it uh, being sustained by the word? Is there something else that is not described as, as exactly in one of those four marks, but something like uh, in the blog post, I suggested even something like joy is a theme that's overarching that would be broad enough to align your ministries towards, uh, but also be flexible enough that you could talk about it whether you're reading Esther or Jesus' parables, and whether you're working with your youth group or with your children's ministry, you could still be talking about joy, and that helps align ministry. So, so get me to the nitty-gritty of using your preaching ministry, using the pulpit as that kind of compass that keeps pointing people towards this next step we're taking together as a congregation. What what does that look like in real life, do you think? Well, for us, it's every year um, we set a theme for the year. So we just set a theme for 2021. And um, around that theme is a one-year milestone that is measurable that we set as a congregation. And then from that, every aspect of ministry looks at that goal, that overarching theme, and uh, the sermon or preaching or worship life is one compartment among many that is trying to drive towards that goal. So our theme for this year is household wells, uh, wells well, a is well like a like water a where, well. where you get water yeah. from. Yeah, digging a well. Okay, yeah. household the metaphor, wells. The metaphor we're using is, um, you know, in America when we have cattle and, and sheep and and uh, livestock, we put uh, fences around them and then we keep them within the fence and then try to drive them to water. Well, in Australia, in the wide open ranges, they don't have fences. They dig holes. They dig wells, and the and the cattle and the livestock gather around those wells. the The, the metaphor we're using is that each individual um, home that is represented in our ministry that that our ministry touches is a well. 
that provides living water, the water of Jesus, to their neighborhood, uh, to the people around them. And my our job as a church is to empower those household wells to be distributing water uh, right where they live among their neighbors and their friends. Um, so that's our theme, and we're going to be defining well. Uh, it's an acronym, W-E-L-L, stands for different things. Um, I don't I don't want to confuse by telling you what it is, but if you're interested, I can. Um, but the point is, then, we take that theme, we've developed a goal, we want to have 40 um, household well journals by the end of 2021. So we want people to be actually telling their story of being a household well using these journals, digital journals throughout the year. So I look at that as the main preacher that designs the worship life of the congregation. And I go, what what is the message that we need to hear mostly when we think about being a well? And where we landed was, I am with you. The Mm -hmm. promise that comes with the discipleship call in Matthew 28, go make disciples um, of all nations. That's the goal of a household well. Well, that can be overwhelming. Not unless we hear the theme or the promise from Jesus, I am with you. And so um, that I am with you is the theme for the entire year. And then I've built the sermon series, one a month, 12 of them, um, underneath that banner or that theme. So everything is aligned under that one unifying yearly milestone as a congregation. And the idea of having one goal for most congregations is like, when I tell them that the first time, they kind of look at me like I'm from Mars. They're like, well, what do we do with all of our other activity? Because we we have become so accustomed to just planning our ministry based on what we did last year versus where are we going? Where is God, where is God taking us? Yeah. I, thanks Jeff. I, I appreciate the specifics of what you're doing next year. And I can see how, if you could al- align your ministries again, it's, it's kind of the compass feature here. It doesn't mean you don't want paddles in the water. You want as many paddles in the water as you can get as long right. as they're pointed in the right direction. So that actually reminds me of a story from my parish ministry that I think is relevant here because it's you're not saying give up on all the ministry things that you've done in the past. You are saying align them to this one common vision, common goal. Uh, there was a year when our primary focus was on building and celebrating discipling relationships. And that was kind of our goal as a congregation, the one theme that ruled them all for that one year. And we, it came time to to do a giving dinner, like we always did. We've been doing a giving dinner for, you know, 30 years in that congregation. And we're going to do a giving dinner this year because we always do it. But now the theme is about uh, about celebrating and building these discipling relationships. So instead of just doing a generic giving dinner, what we did was we framed and and shifted how we did that giving dinner so that instead of uh, coming as an individual or as a couple, we had people host tables of 12. And you were supposed to invite people that you wanted to build a relationship with or to celebrate a relationship with. Uh, we had people make donations and and commitments to the congregation for their for their annual giving and, and also give special gifts in honor of people who help them follow Jesus or get to know Jesus better, either at our congregation or any time in their life. 
and when we handed these out, whenever we handed out the, the cards that, that were inviting participation, we also handed out cards that were themed that we had created that we handed to them with an envelope and asked them to fill out a note and send it to at least one other per person that had helped them follow Jesus and, and tell them why that relationship was important in their life. So we gave them also a note card to mail to somebody to kind of build that relationship. Did we still do a giving dinner? Of course we did. Did we still have to pass a budget? Obviously. And yet, because the most important thing we were doing at that time in the life of the congregation was building relationships, we did the most relationally intense and active giving dinner I have ever seen in my life. And it was really wonderful. People stood up and told stories of relationships at that giving dinner. Uh, people got cards. People attended together. And if they couldn't attend, you know, they were still a part of those relationships. So that kind of take what you're already doing and align it to that common goal for that common time period, I think is a really important idea. Yeah. So often people think we need to add new stuff. I think we need to, I think we just need to look at what we're already doing. And like you said, make it, make it make sense mm -hmm. to what we're doing as a congregation. So that's an example of an environment that giving dinner was an environment that already existed and you just thought about it differently. And that led to some great creativity. So I actually think a lot of people think um, the one year goal or one year milestone idea uh, or one theme for the year idea is limiting I actually believe it's expanding. Mm -hmm. I think clarity and uh, choosing to align in one specific direction actually helps expand creativity. There's more power when in singularity than there is in multiplicity. So uh, another metaphor, uh, what's more powerful, a shotgun or a laser? Mm. Right. A laser, obviously, is, is much more focused. The shotgun will just kind of go everywhere. That's right. Yeah. So uh, if you, everything you just said, I think, fits within that idea. If, if you're measuring activity and that's the only measure you have, and I think butts in pews and dollars in plates, that's how we measure activity. If all you're measuring is activity, then the only thing you can do is multiply the number of paddles you have in the water. That's not going to move you forward. Uh, you can shrink extraneous activities. Like if there's stuff that's actually pulling in the wrong direction, stop doing it. That would be good. Mm -hmm. But it's even better. I mean, if if two paddles going in the same direction are better than six paddles going in every, any direction they want, six paddles going in the same direction is better than two paddles going in the same direction. So the more you can align to that one common thread in your preaching ministry, but in every other ministry area as well, the the better off you'll be. You know, I guess that's that's the point of thinking of your sermon as a compass, not as just a big paddle. We, we the sermon and the worship experience is is a major cornerstone moment in the life of the congregation, and I'm not trying to downplay that. But if you treat it as if it were just one big paddle among all the other paddles, then you're still just one person rowing. How can we how can we begin to turn that 
preaching moment into a compass that helps align what we do in our devotions before our board meetings and what the children are talking about in children's ministries and how you live out your giving dinner or, or how your small group ministry is functioning as well. That's that's the question for us to continue to sit with. And my yep. suspicion is it's going to continue to be important beyond COVID. We're going to have to find a way to help people move in the right same direction, uh, even if they miss a few weeks in between putting their paddle in the water. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well, hey, uh, Jeff, I appreciate your book, Fear Not, Dream Big, and Execute. Jeff Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R, jeffmeyer.com, I believe, is your URL as well. Can I find some more information there? It's actually jeffmeyer.org. I would suggest you go to jeffmeyer.org, then, not jeffmeyer.com. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Jeffmeyer.org. Hey, any any parting thoughts for us today? I just appreciate... I appreciate the way that you give us handles, uh, metaphors that help us hold on to truth. Uh, it's very biblical um, and it's really, really helpful. I also, uh, I just think uh, the, the biggest thing for me is let's do the difficult work, the fun work, but hard work of thinking about what is our win? What is the ultimate objective of our gathering and all of our activity? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the output? And let's do some work on that. And then it's almost like magic. The alignment starts to happen because we start asking questions like, well, how is this activity or how is this environment actually helping us accomplish our the output that we want to see. And, uh, it, so that's the domino. That's the domino that starts all the other dominoes is starting to think about what are we measuring? What are we measuring? Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. I, I appreciate that. And, and if you're out there listening and you have no idea where to start, jeffmeyer.org would be a great place to look. And I'd also encourage you to run a small experiment and just try for one season, pick a theme, any theme, and try to align to that and practice that alignment as you continue to narrow in and zero in on the unique way Jesus has equipped your church to help create and encourage and cultivate people who know how to follow him a little bit better every day. Take one small next step and see where that leads. Hey, thanks for listening today. Thanks for being here. Jeff, thanks for your input. I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you, brother. It was a joy to be with you again. And we'll see you next time here at Next Step Press.